0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Welcome back to the front porch, Gray's Country. This is the Tomahawk Take Podcast off Leo's rocker, and it is trade deadline day. This has been a very busy weekend, and last couple of days especially for all the teams around Major League Baseball, I am sure that all these general managers hyped up on Red Bull and Espresso and their choice of other stimulants are now breathing a sigh of relief that it's over, and now it's time for us to figure out what happened and what's going to do to to impact the Braves. But first, let me introduce my co-host here. It's Fred Owens, our senior writer at Tomahawk Tick. Say hi, Fred. Hi, Fred. And we are trying to figure out what in the world some of these teams have done. But before that, let's talk about something that the Braves did, which was kind of a a bolt out of the blue yesterday in the midst of all these trades. We have a contract extension for third baseman Austin Riley that kind of came out of nowhere. We've been looking for one for Dansby Swanson, but now Riley is signed up 10 years, $212 million and he is going to be a Brave through this decade and into the next one. Great deal for the Braves. Great deal for Riley, too, to be honest, because he's going to start making uh, uh $20 million plus here shortly. It's a deal that peaks out at 22 million, which is the same number that Matt Olson's peaks out at. It's the same number that Freddie Freeman's deal peaked out at and comes in as a tie for second among all Braves ever in terms of yearly income. The only one to exceed that is Josh Donaldson's single year $23 million deal when he was with the Braves. Oddly enough, when the Braves were negotiating with Donaldson to try and bring him back, I think their uh, peak offer was four years at. 22 million again so that seems to be a number that the the Braves are stuck on and it may serve to be a signal to about Dansby Swanson and his deal to come we hope but we'll talk about that in just a second but first your reaction on that Fred
0: well I mean wow what a steal I mean everybody says well you know Acuna and Ozzy are underpaid but honestly on the market Riley's getting 25 26 27 a year it's just a hell of a steal for the Braves. I, I'm happy that they did it, and if I had known that all I had to do was go on ESPN Coastal and say, well, they're not going to deal with Riley until they get Swanson settled,
1: <laughs>
0: I'd on and say, well, we're not going to deal with Swanson until the t- until the deadline's over, and then Swanson would have got a contract, too. So for everybody who heard me on ESPN Local and said, yeah, well, you know, that's what you know, yeah, you're right, okay? Uh <laughs> I I went on and said, well, I will do that all season, and then uh, an hour later, they did it. So there you have it. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely pleased for Riley. I'm more pleased for the Braves because this gives them a core around a core infield with Dansby to come. And they have, uh, Michael Harrison in center field for his arbitration years and likely extension there. And they've got a and Wright already signed up, although they're going to have to top that contract up. And, uh, I think that, uh, and William Contreras is on board. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty well locked in. You've got to now look at your Freeds and your Swansons and your Wrights and those guys, but with the infield pretty well settled, that's the way that's the way teams win consistently year after year after year. That's how you challenge year after year after year. When the Yankees were going great and Steinbrenner was throwing money around, what held them together was their what they called their core. Uh, when the Braves were great. They were held together by a core of people that came up and played together. And this is what he's doing again. And, uh, hallelujah. I don't know how he pulled that off, but amen and uh, congratulations. Uh, awesome.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny too, uh, you, you mentioned that, uh, you, you say something, the opposite happens. I, I kept getting that and, and we were having some fun on our little Twitter account where I, every time I hopped in a car, the braids did something in the last two days.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> true. And we launched so, in the car all day today. But
1: <laughs> yeah, but then I can't check Twitter as much and I was refreshing pages like at mad. So it, it's hard to, to do that and drive at the same time. Another point, though, that you made, and and I was asked about this on on a radio program today, is the sustainability of things. And, and we were talking about some of these fans of teams that just tear down everything, that uh, they get their superstars and then they all go away. And the Washington Nationals came up because of the Juan Soto deal today that we're going to talk about a little later. But, I mean, they had Soto. They had Scherzer, they had Trey Turner, they still got Steven Strasburg, but of course the, he's had uh, other issues.
0: Wait, but his left hand right now because he can't raise his right one. So
1: yeah, that, this is not not a good situation for him, and it's unfortunate because we really do want to see good players a- do good. Uh, but uh, the Nationals have just torn everything down, and and now they're. Uh, fans are left with a shell of a team, team that's going to be sold here soon to somebody we don't know yet. So it's like, if I'm a Washington Nationals fan, I don't know what to do. The, and of course, there was the, the, I think it was 1997, uh, World Series where the Marlins won and then because they bought a bunch of players and then tore it all down the next year and then they're a shell of themselves the next year. I really like and appreciate the fact that the Atlanta Braves aren't doing that. They didn't do that obviously during the 14 year run of division titles. They've got four in a row now and they're obviously trying to continue to maintain and, and build around what they've got. And now they have a, a solid core to build around, uh, with the contract extensions that for the next several years. That is, as a fan, is exactly the kind of thing you want to see. You want to see these guys hanging around a while that you are, are liking to see on the field. You you want to develop a fandom. You want to develop a loyalty. And I love the fact that Atlanta is doing this and extending Austin Riley for 10 years is going to sell a lot of jerseys because there's nothing not to like about him and his attitude, his work ethic, and and obviously his performance on the field. So... Love to see that and glad that Atlanta uh, Atlanta's not one of those tear it all down teams unless they absolutely have to. And in the last twenty odd years, it's only yeah. well thirty years really, it's only happened the one time. So glad to see that.
0: Yeah, the 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 thing about this is and uh hear fans all the time don't understand. See, Alex doesn't give opt outs. He does he, he doesn't give let, allow the players a chance to leave. He doesn't give contracts that are unsustainable. He doesn't. He he signs the people and he gets them on board so that he knows they're there. Like today, when Padres wanted to trade Hosmer, he said, no trade clause, and I don't want to go to because they're gonna I'll be awful. And that's right. He earned that because the Padres gave him that when they promised him that he would be the centerpiece of their team forever. So they gave him the no-trade clause, and they gave him the big contract, and then he underperformed, which he performed actually about what it was expected, but it was underperforming for the contract, and they've been trying to trade him ever since. But he had that no-trade clause. You don't see that in Atlanta. You don't see opt-outs in Atlanta. Why? If I want to trade you, I'm going to trade you, because that's what this is all about. You want control of the payroll. You want control of the roster. And if you got people out there that you can't move, like Ozuna, and you you have to have a have a way to work around that somehow and function around that, and when you don't give opt outs and you don't give no trade clauses, you've got the you've got the roster under control, and that's what that's the brilliant thing that uh, the Braves do now, and that they they've done they did in the past back when Sherholz was running the thing, uh, that was that was what held the team together, and it was a point you made was you could always come see Chipper, you could always always come see Andrew. You could always come see uh, Javi Lopez, and Smoltz. They were always there because that was the core. And now you've got this core and fans can depend upon seeing those guys out there and putting on a good show because these guys are good.
1: Yeah. And to some extent, I'm kind of amazed that Atlanta as a policy, a business policy has been able to maintain this thing through the years and, and not giving out no trade clauses and not giving out uh, opt out options. So, Yeah, it is one of those deals that many teams can't do, don't do, feel they can't get away with. But Atlanta has done that and done that to their benefit and their fans' benefit. So, yeah, that does lead into, though, the discussion about Dansby Swanson and a possible extension for him in the next, hopefully, a few days here. Now that Austin Riley has sort of drawn a ceiling point for his, for a Dansby contract. My fear, and, and I wrote about this on the site, is that his agent is going to look at Dansby's numbers for 2022 and say, hey, we have an elite shortstop here. And, yes, he has moved in, himself into the same conversation as a Francisco Lindor, a, as uh, Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts. He is actually outperforming those guys this year. We don't know if that's necessarily a real thing that's going to last year after year after year. If he's essentially had something click and now Dansby is is that kind of elite level guy that we always hoped he might be as the first overall draft pick when he was selected by the Diamondbacks. But either way, the Braves can't pay him that way. They're not going to pay him 25 to $30 million a year. If he needs that kind of money, if his agent thinks it's going to be that kind of money, then we're going to need a new shortstop next year because it, it certainly seems that uh, twenty-two million is the ceiling. And in, and my suspicion is, uh, like you, I believe Fred, I think that he's going to be offered something in the eighteen to twenty twenty-one million range per year. Six years seems to be about right. But if Dansby wants to stick around with his hometown team. He's probably going to have to take something like that instead of maybe what his agent thinks uh, he ought to get.
0: Well, you know, here, here's the thing: Dansby Swanson is not Correa, and he's not uh, Lindor or Trey Turner. Those guys, their skill set is different. If, if you want to comp somebody to to Dansby Swanson, think Brandon Crawford. Okay, Brandon Crawford for me is more is more of Dansby Swanson comp than than Correa or, or Turner or any of the guys that are out there now because of the way he plays the game, how he positions himself. He can make the outstanding play. His bats come into play now. He's quick, but he's not fast. He's not He's not the um, going to put the highlight reel on every play like a Lindor is. He's going to have his ups and downs, but he's going to be dependable on the field all the time and, and superb a lot of the time. And so, you, you know, you, you sort of look back at something for um, Crawford, and you can see, you know, Crawford got like or got like a six year, six years, sixty million dollar deal. I think it was. I don't have it in front of me, but something like that from the from the Giants.
1: Yeah, it was uh, four years and sixty one, roughly sixty one for the last four years, twenty eighteen through twenty twenty one, getting fifteen million a year.
0: So four years, four years and $60 dollars, uh, and that he was that was his uh, age thirty one season. Okay, so uh, Swanson is. Uh, younger than that, and he's going to come in. Uh, he's going to get five, four or five years, no more than five years because uh, he's the brave, and that's what they're going to give him. So you're going to get five years from the Braves, maybe six if he's stretching, but uh, six years for a shortstop who's going to be at play at 29 takes him days 35, which is where Crawford now. So if you figured that, and prices have gone up, so if you figured that you were going to get Swanson for something like six, six and eighteen, then that's probably as high as you're going to go on him. I said originally that he would get something like six and eighty-five, but his year this year's probably pumped that up a little bit. So he probably gets something like six at seventeen or something like that, and that's a good number. I mean, that's that's as good a number as I could I would expect out of him. If the agents wanting wanting twenties in multiple years, then he's going to have to take some kind of step staggered thing, which gives him his AAV and a couple of twenty million years, but it's going to have some lower years to start with and, and ramp up or or be front loaded and taper down. I just, uh, you know, something like 108, 110 million at six years is probably the limit for him, and I think that that's about as high as he's going to go. I don't know that, I don't know that Alex will go 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 that high or not. I think the original offer will be somewhere like 85, and that uh, that they'll negotiate from there. Again, I don't think that I, that Atlanta native Dansby Swanson wants to leave Atlanta, and unlike Freeman, he saw what happened. When the when the agent didn't talk to him. Now, of course, that was hindered by the lockout. I'm not blaming anybody here, but Dansby knows that he can walk up and talk to talk directly to Alex any time. And I think that that makes a big difference with the lockout not being in the way. I think they'll come to deal. It'll come out something like six to one hundred and ten or somewhere right around that. Uh, Maybe, you know, six to one hundred, six to one hundred ten, something like that.
1: The reports that we got on Austin Riley's deal is that they were apparently negotiating something much shorter and the sides were fairly far apart at that point, but somehow it morphed into this massive 10 year deal and then suddenly things got a more amenable on both sides and, and I guess once the, uh, first number of the total value began with a two, it got really interesting. <laughs> He decided he couldn't walk away from that for sure. On Brandon Crawford, his lifetime career OPS plus is 99, just about league average. Dansby's is 95, but it's being bolstered right now by this year's 126. That tells you how much difference as a result of this year's performance. He's, he's up 25%, 20, well, really about almost 30% uh, year over year. That's a huge difference, and that's that's why I gotta kind of wonder is he uh, really a 126 kind of guy, or is he maybe a 110 kind of guy at this point? But either way, the Braves really do need to get this done because finding another shortstop that can do the things that Dansby does is gonna be very difficult this offseason, and certainly he is one of the heart and soul kind of guys. On this team, getting that last infielder locked up would be really nice.
0: Let's think of this in terms of uh, wins, okay? Dan's probably a two and a half to three win player every year, okay? Last year he was a three and a half win player, this year so far he's at 4.9, but I think we can create, we can suggest that that he's not a five win player all the time, and that if he's a a two and a half to three win player all the time, that's going to put him. At, at about your, uh, 105, uh, 100 and 105, 110, uh, OPS bouncing back and forth. I think that two-win player, two and a half-win player is going to take him about to that level. He's, you know, we've had inflation since Crawford got his, his, his deals. And, uh, we know that we don't want to go too much past, uh, his age 34 years, 35 year as a shortstop. Now maybe you can move him to a utility guy or, or something like that at the end of the contract, but you don't want to pay him a utility man 20, 20 mil. They gave Crawford two years last year. The Giants did because he had that breakout year where he he uh, hit had an 8.95 OPS and they hit all those home runs. But this year he's back down to reality. He's, he's the 6.29 OPS because he's been injured. And why is he injured? Well, he's 35 years old. And mm-hmm. when you start running around shortstop position 35, you get injured. Shortstops typically. Second base moved to, uh, and third baseman are moved to first base and second baseman become utility men when they can't play the position anymore. Uh, and we've got Ozzy at second, so I don't see, I don't see Dansby out, uh, opting him out of that. So, you know, I'm thinking age 34, 35 is the outside on his contract. Six years, 110 is probably a good deal.
1: He's 28 and a half now. will be 34 after six more seasons. So that's probably your limit on the offer. My suspicion is Alex is probably offering something on the order of five at 18, uh, yeah. as you suggest to begin with. My my guess is that the agent would want maybe six by 20 or something like that. If they can get him at six by 18, six, 18 and a half, I'd go with that. I, I would be happy to spend that money for them. <laughs> Oh, their behalf.
0: I, I read something on Twitter this and said, well, they're going to be over 200 million in payroll. Well, I'm going to flash for y'all. <laughs> their, their tax level this year is 207 million. Yeah, they're already right? there. <laughs> they're already over 200 million in, in petty balance tax payroll. Their actual payroll is like 187 or something like that. But by the time you add on the fees and things that they have to pay, the payroll comes out at 207 million. 208 million. Now, okay, you want to push that up to 208 million actual payroll, then you're talking about a final payroll about 230 million, which is the bottom level of the luxury cap. And I think they're going to get up there to that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we're going backwards at all. And by the way, all the people that you said out Liberty, Liberty Media doesn't spend money, uh, shut up and go home. Okay, (laughs) okay, you don't, you don't have any idea. Every year. Liberty Media's had them in the, in the budget area where they were but based on where they were playing. When they started winning, the budget went up, and it's going to continue to go up as long as they continue to, to hold the line like this, because they know that it's good business to put a good team on the field, and when you get them there, you keep them there. So I think that this is going to go up. I think 110 I think is probably the top for Dansby, but if he can squeeze another million out of them, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm happy to spend other people's money. <laughs> I used Likewise. to all time in the Air Force and, and, and I, I smiled all the time I was spending Sam's money. So it was wonderful. Uh I, I really think they got to do this. I want that infield settled and then I'll then we wanna start talking about getting Max and, and Kyle under contract and moving on because I think uh, this is a really nice core to have and, and Max is gonna be terribly expensive.
1: Yeah, probably may broach that twenty two
0: million barrier there. Yeah, you um, gotta pass that pretty quick.
1: $18.5 million for six years? That gets you to 111 Sound like a deal?
0: That sounds like a deal. Let's do that. Call down. Okay. Get on paper.
1: Okay. Let's move to the trade market because there's a whole lot to discuss here. Let's start with Atlanta and what they did. They have dismissed Robbie Cano, the legend, the myth, the man. Robbie Cano hey, hey, is... <laughs> The experiment is over. Let's just put it that way. I won't be mean here, but he got about four hits as a Brave, three of those in like his first three games or so, and not much since. Uh, so he is gone. A. Ray Adrianza has been retrieved from the Washington Nationals. That cost us Trey Harris, double A uh, second baseman. That was actually more than I expected, to be honest, because A. Ray wasn't even hitting a buck eighty, uh, with the Nationals. In limited playing time, but he's going to be a utility guy that can play all over the field, which is something Cano could not do. He's going to hit about the same, but at the same time, uh, he was well-liked in the clubhouse and uh, going to be well-received when he shows up there. I guess he probably already has, but the, the deal gets us an extra presence on the bench that is flexible and can be used in a lot of places for Brian Snicker. Next deal was Robbie Grossman coming in from Detroit for a A A-ball 16-round draft pick that uh, the Braves had in in the farm system. The trick with Robbie Grossman is that he is now the platoon partner for Eddie Rosario. He's technically a switch hitter, but at the same time, he probably shouldn't be. because this year he is destroying left-handed pitching. He's got a 999 OPS against lefties, but it seems like there was something in the fives, 550-ish on the other side of the plate. So I don't think he's going to be uh, allowed to face many right-handers, but uh, his lefty or his bat against lefties I think is going to be valuable for Atlanta and give them a little bit more uh, pop from the from the left-field position. At the same time, he had Like 23 home runs last year, but he's only got two this year. So he's definitely got some issues there. He had some injury issues uh, part of the season that have been playing him. But at the same time, I I think he's going to be an interesting pickup and and could be one of those sleeper picks that, that could help us. The more interesting deals. Jake Odorizzi arrives, starting pitcher from the Astros, and Will Smith has been sent to Houston. This was a surprise. the The Braves needed a starting pitcher, especially since they've got two double headers coming up in the next two Saturdays, and are not going to have a, a break to to get these starters some some time off. So, the fact that they've got now got another arm that they can effectively use as in a six man rotation at least temporarily is going to be helpful. Kyle Muller is not available to pitch. He has not pitched since July 14th. He's got a broken bone in his non-throwing hand. But at the same time, he like like say, he has not pitched since the middle of July. And that was not an option for Atlanta. They desperately needed to get somebody who could help them avoid having a bullpen game in the midst of all this flurry of games that they've got, particularly against the Mets and, and the Marlins over the next two weekends. So they've picked up Odorizzi. Will Smith and his $13 million contract has gone to Houston. Apparently, Houston remembers uh, vividly what Smith did to them in the World Series and hasn't paid much of attention to the fact that there's been a lot of drama in his last several appearances for Atlanta. So glad to see that happen, I guess. But at the same time, Will Smith needed to be replaced in the bullpen. So and Iglesias has been picked up from the Angels. His earned run average, 404 for the year, doesn't look that particularly enticing. But at the same time, he's had, as a lot of relievers do, a couple of incidents where he's had a hiccup or two. Most of the time, he's been pretty good. But um, he, he's, what do you call, the power arm from the right side that uh, we've been looking for. So uh, he's he's coming into the bullpen Within the next week or so, we expect to have Kirby Yates back in the majors, and he's going to provide another shot in the arm for the bullpen as well. So that is the extent of the Braves' trade deadline moves, and let's see what you think about all that, Fred.
0: Well, A. Ray comes back. He gives us something that Cano didn't have besides not being a cheat. He's fast. He can, he can be a pinch runner if needed. He can play anywhere in the infield and the outfield as well. He's not lost out there. He doesn't have to learn how to do it because he learned how to do it before so he could have a job. Also, he and Heredia are probably going to have the best sword fights of anybody I know. I'm not really, I mean, at the time I was really pining for Brandon Drury, but I'm going to suggest, and Drury went for almost nothing, but I, I want to think that uh, what A.A. said this evening on the, on the game was that he didn't want to put somebody up here who was playing every day and then have Ozzy come back and displace him and then have to move him around the diamond to keep his bat in the lineup kind of thing I'm not sure I buy all that as a way I mean it's a nice story but I think they would have been able to play Drury about anywhere at any time uh, and not not had to worry about him getting in it because he's used to it and I'm not sure how how quickly is going to be able to play like he is uh, and and I, I love Arcea and if he could hit he'd be a superstar but he can't so he's a utility man Grossman is an interesting guy. He, last year, when we were digging around for outfielders before Alex went out and grabbed the, grabbed the four guys that he got, we considered Robbie Grossman as, as a good option because he was going to be available and he hit left-handed pitching very well. Didn't come up in training in the con, in the context last year, but he again, as Alex said, he he had some neck injuries earlier in the year. He had a had a knee injury earlier in the year. And those things affect your power and your ability to swing the bat. And I think he's come on pretty well over the last, over his last few outings. He's thrilled to be here. I'm sure that Seitzer and crew will be there with him to help him out and get him going. Uh, and he's going to play against left-handed pitching because he, he crushes them. I mean, he has, his numbers against left-handers is better, are better than Duvall's ever were against left-handers. And that was Duval especially before we got him and, and he sort of morphed into, I don't know, exactly what, but he lost his ability to kill left-handed pitching. Grossman's a defender. He's probably as good a defender in left field as as Eddie is. Uh, Eddie has his ups and downs in left field, uh, and it all depends on how you look at it. You know, If you're a UZR guy, it doesn't like Grossman. It likes Eddie. Uh, DRS doesn't like Grossman at all, but outs above average does. So uh, pick your statistic and spin it any way you want to do it. He's the guy that's there, and he's going to play against uh, left-handed pitching. Jake Orterizzi, he had uh, two bad outings. He had a bad outing against the Angels when he pitched the 10th of an inning and gave up a bunch of runs early in the year. He had a bad outing later in the year, another another one down the road. But in between that, well, since then, since uh, his last four outings, he's pitching to a a a 333 ERA and uh, thrown 27, 27, 28 innings. Uh, and that in that period, and uh, it's pretty nice, uh, pretty nice outings. He seems to have found his groove. He's going to get a lot of ground balls. Uh, he, he, not as many as we would like. He is a fly ball pitcher, by the way. His ground ball rate is only about thirty percent, but he's he's had it's higher this year than it's been in the past. I think he'll be fine. He's not going to be like uh, Syndergaard or. Or or, or um, Montas or any of those guys. He's the fifth starter. He knows what he is. He's going to go out and give us innings, uh, swallow innings. He hasn't pitched less than five five and a third innings in his last four outings, and he's only gone less than five innings once since the uh, first uh, since the end of April. So he stays in the game. He keeps his team in the game. Gives them a chance to win. Ross L. boy, <laughs> that was uh, that's grand theft pitcher. Um, they, <laughs> they, they, they sent, uh, Jesse Chavez, who I, I really love Jesse Chavez, but they sent Jesse and Tucker, Tucker Davidson to, uh, Anaheim. And they sent us in his three years, 48 million remaining. Uh, what you've got is a pitcher who can go multiple innings. If you want, it's not going to hurt him. You bring him in to pitch to close the eighth and do the ninth. I can do that. If you want him to do two innings before Kenley comes in, I can do that. He's the three pitch pitcher. Uh, throws he's a power arm. Yeah, he hits a lot of barrels. It, his barrel rate is probably higher than I would like it, but he's still a really fine closer uh, and uh, he's going to be out there in case Kenley's back gives him trouble anymore. Uh, he'll be able to stop, stop, slide right into that spot. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Snicker alternate the two back and forth. So that they stay in form and, and get it going. And, uh, you know, it takes a load off of uh, guys like Mentor, who had to step in and fill in the spot? Maybe Matzek was going to be asked to do that, and I think you'll see him do more mix and matching as towards the end of the game. All in all, the only thing that I really wanted to get that we didn't was like Ian Happ instead of Grossman, who could play both ways, and it was, it was uh, all three all three outfield positions. Uh, and we didn't pump the offense up too much, but other than that, uh, it's real it was a really good deadline.
1: Couple of words to add on here. Now the Braves have three guys who they could call on for closing duty if they need to: Jansen, and and then Kirby Yates when he gets back. Well, actually four really, since we've given that chore to Mentor as well. So lots of options there. I, I really like the the fact that even if you go into extra innings, you've got guys that you're you're not going to see a lot of drop off on, and that's going to help help the Braves against a lot of these teams that we're going to faced, hopefully, towards the playoffs. Also on Jake Odorizzi, you know, he was hurt for the entire month of June, had a problem with his left leg. Now, when he got back, apparently he had a little rust to, to kick off there, uh, giving up five runs against the Kansas City Royals. But then he faced Oakland three times in a row in three consecutive starts. First time, he shut him out over seven innings. Second time, he gave up three runs. Third time, he gave up six runs. I think I can forgive that a little bit because he came back then against Seattle, a team that was certainly uh, running high and and mighty at the time, and he shut them out over seven innings with a two-hitter, eight strikeouts. So I think he's going to be just fine. We had talked uh, before that the Braves needed a guy who could eat innings, had an ERA around four. That's what they got. And in fact, it's three seven five for the year now for for Oterizzi. Uh I think that that's exactly what the doctor ordered. I was kind of hoping for a guy like Noah Syndergaard. The Phillies got him, but Oderizzi is going to be able to do just just exactly what the, the Braves need there. So I, I, I like that. I like the fact that we got him for getting rid of uh, Will Smith and in total we've we've improved the the pitching. I'm with you though. I would like to see some more in the in the offensive production department. The the left field position has been something of a black hole for most of the year. Yeah, you could kind of say that that's been dealt with a little bit, but at the same time I I'm not sold on Eddie Rosario. Uh, long term for, for performance from the offensive side there. As a result, if I were giving it a grade, I would give the Braves a B because of the offense side. I, I think that doing what they did for the pitching side is just fine, but I would have preferred somebody a little better too. Brandon Drury would have been good. Ian Happ would have been good. I agree. There's a couple more options there. Grossman is not bad. Not, not a terrible option. Like I say, I think it could be a, a sleeper, sneaky, good kind of a, a pickup. But at the same time, they could have probably done better. What's your grade, Fred?
0: Well, I, I'm, I get them a little better. I think it's a B plus simply because Grossman kills left-handers. And I, I like the Iglesias, uh, edition a lot because what, what I've seen is that we get to, we get late in the games and we had, we had Smith, uh and Kenley's when he's been out there, he's had some issues getting closing the game out and I think knowing that uh you know you can flip him around and actually put somebody in there, you don't have to grab a drink and a pack of cigarettes to watch uh <laughs> is, is a is a good thing so I give him a b plus I think that what we have to do for me really have to realize one thing here: our pitching is really really good, okay when you talk when you go up and you're talking about max and you're talking about Kyle, and you got Charlie. you got you got pitchers out there who are going to do the job for you if the lineup hits. If the lineup doesn't hit, you can have Cy Young and Walter Johnson and all them guys out on the mound, Bob Gibson, Sandy Colfax. If you don't score, you're going to lose. And that's been our problem is consistency in the lineup, and that's why the, having the black hole, which has been Ozuna's bat, uh, in the lineup is a problem, and why having Arcea in the lineup is a problem because the uh, pitchers just don't hit their bats often enough to make it a good thing. Now, yeah, before anybody says, Oh, Ozuna's coming along well, yeah, okay, if you say so. But, uh, <laughs> uh but I'm telling you, he hits he hits bad pitching, and if it isn't bad pitching, he don't hit it very well. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's currently sporting a 671 OPS. And a 274 on base with a 219 batting average, and uh yeah, okay, he's maybe been up a little bit in the last couple months, last few at bats, but still, he's under the ball, over the ball, around the ball, beating the catcher up, and he's just not dependable in the lineup. So I think you're going to see uh, a lot more of Contreras in the DH spot, and you know, get them both, to get those bats in the lineup. And, and keep them moving there. We've got to stretch the lineup out and get it longer. The lineup's got to be longer, or having all those good pitchers is not going to do us any good. But if we get to the ninth inning uh, with a run or two ahead, I think we're going to be fine.
1: And, of course, uh, even as we say that, um, and I'm dragging on Eddie Rosario a little bit, he gaps a double to right center field and drives in Matt Olsen from first base. So that
0: was a double because yeah. <laughs>
1: Look,
0: he, he, Eddie, Rosario, Eddie Rosario can thump with the best of them. He he is a thumper. He, when when he was in the Twins, he was with the the the, the, the bombers that smack balls all over the place. He's also very streaky. If he gets hot now, he's likely to stay hot till the end of October. If he gets cold, it could be frigid by the end of still the end of September. But he he hit that triple the other day. If he's hitting the ball hard tonight. Uh, that's always a good sign for Eddie because once he gets he gets hot, he stays hot for a while. We saw that last August.
1: Yep, that's true. Now in this case, it was a fastball right smack down the middle that he couldn't miss. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes from here. But it, we'll we'll take that. The Braves are leading four to one over the Phillies here in the fifth inning. We'll just see how we go from there. But in the meantime, let's go over some of the other trade things that have taken place, especially for teams we care about. We'll start with the Mets and Phillies. The Phillies did, as we noted, get Noah Syndergaard. They also picked up David Robertson from the Cubs and an outfielder, Brandon Marsh from the Angels. I think that's essentially what they needed, but uh, my my gut feel is that they're going to need a little bit more. Their offense has been essentially what Real Muto could do, and he hasn't been doing much. We've been waiting on Bryce Harper, and he's still not in the lineup. Reese Hoskins has been hit and miss, and it's essentially been Kyle Schwarber or or bust for them. And right now, I don't know that uh, adding Brandon Marsh is gonna move the needle very much for them. At the same time, getting Syndergaard and Robertson is gonna probably keep them in games. Their their problem over the last few years has been bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. So now they've got Zach Wheeler, they've got Aaron Nola, they've got Noah Syndergaard for starting pitching, and now they've bolstered the the back end of the bullpen with Robertson. So I I think they're going to be better, but I still think they're going to be a little bit challenged uh, for consistency on offense. They're going to be there's going to be times where they come up with double digit run scoring, no doubt about that. But to be able to do that day in and day out, it's going to be tough. For the Mets, they added, and this is over a period of last week, not just uh, trade deadline day or so, they added Daniel Vogelbach. They added a uh, catcher, Michael Perez, because they kind of desperately needed one at the time. They added a left-handed relief pitcher, Philip Deal. I think he's still in the minors or maybe on the cusp of the majors. Not sure exactly how they're going to handle him. But at the major league level, they added Tyler Naquin, outfielder from the Reds. They've added Michael Gibbons, Cubs reliever, 266 ERA, and another first baseman, DH type, and Darren Ruff for the Giants, from the Giants. He came in for four players, so that, that, uh, was a bit of a surprise, but then again, the Mets don't have, uh, top level prospects that they're willing to give up, so it may be, have been a quantity issue there. What do you think? Cause I'm not sure that the Mets did enough. They, they were kind of around the edges and kind of Doing fringy changes, but I'm not sure. Well, they they may have decided that they didn't need to do much, but at the same time, I don't know that it's going to improve them significantly. Phillies, you already heard my thoughts on that, but uh, what do you, what do you think about what the Phillies Mets did, Fred?
0: Well, the Phillies, I mean, <clears throat> our favorite favorite club that are a basement over there, Boehm is hitting four seventy six, four eighty eight, six nineteen over the last two weeks. He's thundering the ball all over the place. He's had some uh, trouble with, with defense. I think that Dabrowski did what he could do. In other words, he went out and got him a center fielder who could actually play center field without tripping over himself and probably hit his weight in, in Marsh. Marsh has been playing center field uh, for the Angels while uh, Trout's out and, and d- does a good job out. Of it. He could run the ball down defensively. He's sound. I think that that's a good pickup for them. I know David Robertson was a good pickup for them. And uh, Guard Thor is going to be a nice pitcher for them because his slider is devastating this year. He's not throwing 100 miles down an anymore, but his pitching plus score is one of the best in the lead. That slider is, is is devastating. It's got all kinds of movement on it. It's late, it's vicious, and it's really hard to hit. So he's going to give people a lot of trouble. The other thing is, I think that Harper got the pins out of his thumb yesterday or today, so it'll be another week or two before he's able to grip a bat really tightly and start start swinging it, but we forget he's going to come back, Yes. and he comes back, and he can hit. Then all of a sudden, this club's going to thump. It's It's a Dombrowski club. It's going to thump its way into the postseason. That's why all Dombrowski clubs do that. They pummel the opposition into the postseason. If he can get get into the postseason, then uh, you know things happen when you've got big bad. The Mets' their biggest deadline pickup is on the mound tonight for him. His name is uh, I believe it's Degrom, and uh, he was throwing. He was in the first inning. He was throwing 102. I think he's going to be all right. I don't know if the kid's going to last, but <laughs> but when you when you start with you've got Degrom and Scherzer on the mound, and you've got Diaz at the back of the bullpen. Then you're pretty good. You're pretty sure that in, two, in a three game series, you're going to have some. You're going to have some good out output. Bassett's been good. C- Cookie Carrasco's been a number good number five for them. Um, they, they I don't know that they had a lot to do. They traded McNeil for a guy who has almost the same hitting profile, and I'm not sure why they did that. Darren Ruff has two years of control. That's why they, they, they cost he cost too much as he did. But you know they're a better team than we saw. We've seen in recent years for uh, a couple of reasons. First of all, they've got the pitchers back. Their outfield includes Marte. They've got Alfonso killing the ball and they've got Buck Show Walter in a dugout. And that's a, that's a couple of whims in their pocket, uh, cause Buck is really, really good at what he True. does. Yes. And so, uh, the Mets are not going to go away. If we want it, we're going to have to come take it. And that's just what it should be. If you're going to go out and win the division, be worthy of winning your division. Don't back into it. I want to go out and feel like I, I've had a good, fought a good fight and won. Okay. I'll take a gimme all the time, but still, uh, I think that it's more fun when you're, when you're in a good fight. The Mets are going to put up a good fight. We're going to have to go get them. They're not going to come back to us, particularly this time of year. They can smell the finish line now and we need to get our tails up and get after them. But I think it's going to be fun. I don't think they improve. Well, Naquin, I Naquin, his first his first hit was a triple. So, yeah, he's he's done pretty good since he's been there. I don't know what the others have done, but I think they've improved. Are they um, the Dodgers or the Yankees or uh no, they're not. But but they're a really good club, and they pitch. And in that in that context context, they're dangerous of hell.
1: Yeah, Naquin is two for three tonight in, in their game against the the former triple well the AAA Nationals. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, let, let me give you Jacob Jacob Degrom's line. He, they pulled him after five innings and fifty nine pitches tonight. It's Not surprising that they wanted to limit his uh, exposure coming back. Three hits, one run. It was earned. Six strikeouts. That's not too bad. However, the Mets are losing five to one, thanks to their bullpen. So, uh, there's a chance for the Braves to pick up a a game tonight, looks like. And that, that's good news. But yeah, you're right. You're good points that the, the Mets really didn't need to do too much knowing that DeGrom was coming back. If he stays healthy and if Scherzer stays healthy, they, they should be in good shape there. What, Uh,
0: What you blew over was five innings and 59 pitches. Yes. Uh, five innings and fifty nine pitches. to dive and Yeah, that's ten, less than twelve pitches an inning, and uh, any pitching coach in the world would kiss a pitcher that did that. So <laughs> I hope Degrom liked it.
1: Yeah, that that's got to be encouraging to them. I I'm sure he's a little frustrated that they're losing, but at the same time, he uh, you, you can't sniff at that kind of a performance. The Phillies did do one thing you mentioned that I'd forgotten about they desperately needed to improve their defense and getting a center fielder is is going to do that. They um, designated Odorbel Herrera. He's no longer going to be in their mix. That's going to be something that certainly helps them because they've had two problems. Number one is bullpen and two big problems, bullpen and catching the ball. And if they can improve that even marginally, that that's certainly going to help them. Let me uh, go on to some of these other things that were done. Joey Gallo was sent to the Dodgers from the Yankees. I still don't know what that was all about. Maybe you can tell me when we get done here. Blue Jays picked up Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, relievers from the Marlins. I know you wanted Anthony Bass, Fred. They also picked up Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals. They picked up Mitch White from the Dodgers in a deal that pretty much was just intended to clear a a roster space from the Dodgers. The the Dodgers did a couple of those kind of moves. The Yankees did a fairly significant upgrade in getting Frankie Montas. They also picked up Lou Trevino. Uh, As I said, they dumped Joey Gallo. They picked up Harrison Bader to play center field for them. But in, in, in so doing, they also sent Jordan Montgomery to the St. Louis Cardinals. Scott Efros came in from the Cubs to help their bullpen out, and they picked up Andrew Benatendi last week. Brandon Drury ended up as a Padre. Josh Hader, one of the big surprising deals of the day, uh, went from Milwaukee to the Padres, sending Taylor Rogers, Dynelson-Lamette to the, the Brewers. Luke Voigt has been sent away. Eric Hosmer has been sent away overall they got some guy named Juan Soto from the Nationals along with Josh Bell so the now Padres is oh,
0: uh, uh, Soto's a short little guy used to play play right field right
1: is that is that what he does okay
0: i think that's what he does the uh,
1: Padres are definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with and right now the Braves line up to play them in the wild card round if they can't overtake the Mets they would host those games that's helpful but at the same time uh Padres line up with Soto and Bell and all the other guys that they had, Manny Machado, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was likely to be back by then. That's going to be challenging, no doubt about that, especially with the pitching they still have. The Astros were watching the Yankees as the Yankees were watching the Astros. The Astros picked up Trey Mancini from Baltimore. They sent Jose Siri to Tampa in part of that three-way deal. They got Will Smith from us and they picked up Christian Vasquez from the Red Sox. I think they did pretty well. If I were to grade it, I think the Yankees did very well. The Padres probably win the day because of simply the talent that they added. The Yankees I would put as second. The Astros, we'll, we'll see how that pans out, but the Astros and Braves are right up there too, I think. The, the Mets and Phillies seem to have addressed their needs, maybe not spectacularly, but fairly well. The Milwaukee Brewers seem to have done a lot of moves that were in, intended to help next year more than this year, but at the same time, I think they've decided that they're probably all right for this year. The St. Louis Cardinals needed to make some moves. They got to Jose Quintana. And uh, the aforementioned Jordan Montgomery to, to bolster their starting pitching. I'm not sure that's going to be enough for them. But let's go around and see what your thoughts are on the impact of some of these deals around the league.
0: Well, I think you know. First of all, the Cardinals needed starting pitching because they they, they were they were in a jam, and they got that. They gave away Harrison Bader, who, as well as being a jerk, is a really good center fielder. The Yankees really needed that center fielder. The Yankees brought in two pitchers and then got rid of a pitcher, Jordan Montgomery, who've been pitching really well for him this year, and I'm sure he felt pretty safe. Uh I don't know that I don't know that the Cardinals did enough, but if they can get in, they have enough pitching and then they have Goldsmith and Arenado and those guys and they're gonna bring Yachty back off of his yacht and they've got pooh holes there, so they can be annoying and dangerous if they get get in a run, they can they can do things. The thing about Milwaukee's move, they were not going to win, or they were not going to sign Hader long term. If they didn't trade him now, they were going to have to trade him in the winter. And by trading him now, they moved Devin Williams into that closing slot. They picked up a starter that can go into their rotation now. They picked up an outfielder and I believe another pitcher in that move. That's going to stretch them out into the future. That means they never get too far down the slope. Verducci, Tom Verducci doesn't like that because he wants to go all the way up to the top and sit there, but it's the way the, the Brewers survive. They're a lot like the Rays in this. They say, well, I've got it. this will move and I can bring this piece in here and stretch my, pier- open, keep my window open longer because they know that if you get into that postseason tournament, you've got a chance to win it. And they've got pitching. Uh, I think Peralta, he's came back for them tonight as well. So they're gonna be they're gonna be difficult to beat. Whoever whoever anybody thinks Milwaukee's gone away is a mistake. Um the Dodgers, I'm not sure why Joey Gallo was the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now they have Gallo. They they traded away uh, their left fielder that has been playing left field for them the last few days is Jake Lamb, who's basically a first baseman. So I, I guess I understand the one that they gave him to Seattle for some cash. Gallo out of New York might be a lot better guy i think I think New York isn't for some people, and gallo Gallo just as well as people it wasn't wasn't for new york, and the longer he struggled, the harder it got on him and it got in his head. Look Joey's going to strike out he's not if he's not hitting thirty home runs then then he's there's something wrong. I think he'll do fine with the Dodgers because he doesn't have to carry anybody out there. You just stick him in the lineup behind Freeman and Turner and Turner and Will Smith and all those guys out there, and he just becomes a guy in the lineup, and he's going to get pitched to because the other guys in the lineup are really good. So he's going to hit balls out of out of Dodger Stadium for him. The trading of pitcher, I think they had to clear a spot to bring up another pitcher. Maybe it's Dustin May. But I think they had to clear a spot to bring up a pitcher, and they didn't didn't want to send somebody down, so uh, they, they moved it out there. They didn't do anything but um, sort of buff up the sides, although reports are that they were in on Soto until the very last minute. Jerry Depoto woke up at the end of the day, made a couple trades up there, mostly for relief pitching and, and uh, to fill in a couple of gaps he had. The Padres, well, the Padres made the biggest deal in the in NLA history and. Then they went around and did another one and went and got Brandon Drury. Preller is all in up to his neck. He may not catch the Dodgers. In fact, he probably won't. It's probably impossible for him to catch the Dodgers. I haven't done the numbers, but I suspect he'll be out of the chase for the division title pretty quickly. But he, when he gets in the postseason, he's going to be dangerous because with Soto on the lineup, Machado, Tatis will be back, Bell in the lineup. All of a sudden they've got Thump everywhere in that lineup. Now, uh We hit uh, Darvish. Is we we can get to Darvish. I love Musgrove, uh, and people argued with me last night, but we can get to Musgrove too. I like him uh, as a middle of the rotation guy. So I think you know they've got they've got uh, Clevenger and Snell who uh, are are there and the left handers in the bunch. So their pitching is probably right up there with ours. We just have to hit. If we can get to them, they're 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 as vulnerable as us. If they if we can't, then we're gonna we're gonna be in trouble. But I don't think there's nothing there. I that we haven't seen. We've seen Soto. We've we've handled Soto pretty well. We've seen Machado. Uh, we we've, we've dealt with Tatis not recently because he hadn't played in a couple of years. But I think Tweller and his group they did what they wanted to do. They are now a force, uh, and maybe they're not quite the Dodgers and the Yankees, but they're right next door. And if if anybody stumbles, and they're going to they're going to step on them. So all the way around, it was kind of a the Braves, it was kind of, oh, look, that guy's gone to this guy. And oh, look, there's a guy I wanted. He went to another team. And <laughs> why haven't the Cubs done anything? And why haven't the White Sox done anything? And, and who woke somebody, wake the Rockies up and tell them it's trade deadline day? I guess nobody woke up Tony LaRusso and t- so we could tell him what he needed at the White Sox um, besides the manager. So I, I just wonder if some of these teams did nothing. The Twins did really well towards the end of the day. They picked Tyler Molly out of. from, from uh, uh, Cincinnati. They uh, mm-hmm. got the reliever from Baltimore. They they did really well on the day, and uh, and at the end of the day, the the Guardians traded them a catcher. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure why why they did that when they need a catcher too. But it was Sandy Leon, so maybe that doesn't make any difference. I think the I think the Central is the is the Twins to to lose. As much trouble as they've had over there, as much hype as the White Sox have got, I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad to see them and the Indians up there at the top of the division. Uh, I think it was a fun day. I enjoyed uh, sitting there watching it and, and what was going to happen next.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of things. First off, the Padres, as we uh, do this, are 11 and a half games behind the Dodgers. No, they're not catching the Dodgers. But at the same time, if, they, if the playoffs began today, they would be the second-seeded wildcard team behind Atlanta, which means that the Braves end up hosting them in Atlanta for all three wildcard games, up, up to three. That's not insignificant. The Braves have a four-game lead over San Diego as far as that's concerned, and they're going to need to maintain that because I don't think we want to be out in San Diego trying to, to beat them in a wild card situation. No, no, no. But at the same time, we really do want to win this division because the other side of the bracket has the Mets, Milwaukee, and the Philadelphia Phillies. That's a lot different from from the side of the bracket we're in right now, which has the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Braves. Let's see if we can go for that division title as, as we go along here. Looks like we are going to probably pick up a game tonight unless we, it was a late rally, and I can't rule that out. I've got to admit that uh, I'm uh, more concerned about the Nationals bullpen now than ever was. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, there were some uh, thoughts that maybe prices were too high for a lot of uh, the deals that could have gone down. The Cubs never did Trade Ian Happ, they never did. Trade Wilson Contreras, that was a major surprise. Some of the other big names, Rendon from uh, San Francisco, stuck around. He's his contract crazy. had a the poison, poison really pill. Strange, he, yeah, his contract ha- had a uh, opt-out triggered, so nobody knew how to price him, I guess. There was a general sense that not nearly as many relief pitchers as expected got dealt. So the fact that Atlanta was able to get one right at the end was a big coup. I was going to give him a C grade before that happened. <laughs> I got to admit that helped out my out, my own outlook as to what the Braves did. And another thing is, you know, you mentioned teams like the White Sox doing essentially nothing. Milwaukee, there's some reports that their team was kind of running around their clubhouse scratching their heads that nothing had happened for them offensively. They also didn't like the fact that uh, hater was traded away. There's two impacts that you can make at the trade deadline if you're a general manager. One is the positive influence of doing something that demonstrably helps out your club. That has a psychological impact on the positive side that to bolster your your players. The opposite is true as well, and I think that's what you're seeing in Milwaukee and Chicago in particular, and probably some other places as well. The Cubs are obviously not in it, but they were all having a uh, goodbye party at at Wrigley last week as they did the last home game before Contreras and he and Happ were going to be traded. Guess what, guys? They're back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or they, they never left so funny things happen i guess at the trade deadline and maybe the additional playoff teams made it more of a seller's market than it was normally and some of these jams just weren't willing to pay the price and I, I think that's uh the way things have come out
0: on the tv and on mlb i did not watch the espn thing but on MLB this afternoon, Tom Verducci is pretty snarky with with teams that don't do things the way he thinks they ought to be done. The, doesn't like the Brewers' approach, hasn't. He was pretty snarky about the Brewers. Uh, I know those players are doing this. That you don't. You've been sitting that studio all day, and you don't know what the what the Brewers' players are saying. Now I know that Williams just expressed sadness that a hater was leaving. But this is a game, and Williams is now their closer, and they brought in another starting pitcher, who's really a pretty good pitcher. And they didn't go backward. They went forward. And, you know, as a team, maybe it's not the jolt that puts you over the top. But if you've been with, with the Brewers for very long, you know that's not what they do. C.C. C. Sabathia was the last time the Brewers went over the top for it, as I recall. It was 2009, eight. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how much of that's true and how much of that projection of the guy who made the comment. Maybe he does have a straight line to their club, and, and if he does, I'm sorry, Adam. But I, I just don't think that's true. You can do something, you can do the wrong thing, and you can upset the clubhouse. But if you've been a brewer for more than two or three years, and they've been in the playoffs all the time, and when have they gone out and made a big, big deal?
1: Yeah, it hasn't happened happen very often. I just
0: think so. So you know, they know what to expect. They didn't expect him to go out and bring in Juan Soto and Luis Castillo. They didn't expect that. So if they're pouting about that, then they haven't been paying attention. And I don't think that's the way Craig Council runs his team. Now, I could see the Yankees being upset or or the Braves or the Dodgers or somebody like that being upset. But I don't think when you've been with with the Brewers and they've been in the postseason consistently the way they do it, it's almost like the Rays method. They get to the postseason somehow and they give you a chance. I don't think the Brewers are as bad off in that clubhouse as he, he painted the picture. Maybe I'm wrong. I uh, admittedly, I'm no closer to the clubhouse than he is, but I, I just don't think that's right. I think these are big men who understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mentioned that this is probably as much for next year as it is this year. Uh, Hader was going to be making something on the order of $15 million or more at arbitration next year in his final arbitration year, and that's not a league that the Brewers re- normally play in. So they're going to take that 15 million bucks and spend it on other guys in the off season. That may help them then. It's not necessarily something that you can see today and Brewer fans themselves may be kind of like well, what the world happen here? But they got to think circumspectly and, and start thinking long term here. And like I also suggested, I don't think it's what their moves were is doing anything to hurt them for trying to win a division this year. But at the same time, it may be able to help them next year as they assemble a team then.
0: Yeah. It's the the way they survive. It's the way they survive and grow. They do this every year. I don't know why it surprises anybody. And it doesn't surprise the fans. Uh, The fans understand this. They know that's how the team builds. I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they're upset that they couldn't go out and do it or they didn't go out and do a C.C. Sabathia move or something like that. But I don't think there was that guy. If, if, if the Brewers were going to go all in for a guy this year to put them over the top, who would that have been?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it, it, there wasn't necessarily the one guy, and what they really needed was a hitter. I don't know which one they would have gotten. It certainly wasn't going to be Juan Soto because that they didn't have the kind of resources and or wherewithal to do that. But in case we're stumbling over things that, you know, names and all this stuff like this, please please understand there were two different guys named Austin that were part of trade deals, neither one of which is Austin Riley. There was a hater and a baiter both traded. So we're we're kinda hanging in here with with all this and, and our notes are a little bit sketchy, but uh we're we're doing our best to try and see if we can uh make sense as to what happened today and I think we'd probably share that with some of these general managers as well. So it was a fun deadline and a fun time that to, to watch all this unfold. Like I say, every time I, I got in a car, it seemed like the Braves were doing something. So I was scrambling to try and figure out what was going on as well. So I do like the Braves moves. I, I would have liked to see a little more offense, but I also think that they're probably in reasonable shape to to continue to try and take their pursuit to the Mets to try and win this division. Uh, they're certainly doing that tonight against the Phillies. Like to see the fact that they're up down nine to one. We even got a home run out of Orlando Arcia. So <laughs> things things are good all the way around right now. Uh, any other last thoughts you got uh, before we get out of here, Fred?
0: No, I just hope um, you know. I, I really want to see Acuna start to hit. I, you know, I feel like he's going to wake up one morning and say, "Oh, that's it." And, and then we're going to be off because if he starts terrorizing pitchers, then this lineup's going to be going to be fine, you know, with with Harris in it and the way it's set up, the lineup can carry us. If, it, if it'll just hold together and and not panic, and I think that we have people in the lineup that prevent that from happening. That been there a while and have done it, and that just have a are calm and even demeanor and, and carry the things through. So I'm looking forward to a great great run to a championship.
1: Sounds like a winner to me. All right, time to get off the porch. We'll finish up our rocking here, and we'll see if we can come back again next week and, and find out something else that's going on good about the, the Braves. But in the meantime, we've got Phillies now. We've got five games with the Mets. More coming up in the next couple of weeks that are going to be Interesting, including the Houston Astros where we get to see Will Smith and and figure out how to hit him as well. So a lot of things going on, a lot of baseball still left here as we've crossed the 100 games mark last week. Again, the chase against the Mets is, is still ongoing. That'll wrap it up for Off Leo's Rocker. Fred and I thank you for checking out our attempts to do a little analysis of this trade deadline. We thank you also for checking out our work at TomahawkTake.com. So please come back and check us out the next time. Off Leo's Rocker is a podcast presentation for fans of the Atlanta Braves. It's brought to you from TomahawkTake.com and the far-reaching and ever-growing podcast network of fan-sided LLC a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants, and for the moment, both Fred and I are enjoying our own no-trade clauses. All rights reserved. All of the musical selections used in this episode come via rights purchased by TomahawkTake.com. So please patronize our sponsors, whoever they might be. You know, we looked around at the trade deadline ourselves, but just couldn't find anybody else on the porch that we thought could improve our own little team of podcasters. I guess that's what happens when you're crusty old guys like us and can't see much past our own noses. But with that, we'll see y'all next time on Off Leo's Rocker. Be good, y'all.